Hello, and welcome to Tabletop Game Talk, On Topic, a show where we talk about tabletop gaming topics of all kinds. I'm one of your hosts, Fletcher. I'm Kitty. And I'm Chris. This week, we're talking about, a day later than usual, games that inspire us. Have you become a bird watcher because of Wingspan? Maybe you've done research into terraforming Mars lately. Has plain Twilight Struggle given you a reason to become more informed about the Cold War? What types of games are most likely to inspire us outside of the game? But first, as always, a thank you to our Patreon friends of the show, Adam Harrison, Miles Clark, and The Gift of Games in Grays Lake, now with a website at thegiftofgames.com. Oh, that reminds me, we're going to do a giveaway today. Also, a huge thank you to all of our other patrons as well. That was a, it's a big throw. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, right. Giveaway. Well, so Unannounced surprised giveaway. <laughs> unannounced surprise giveaway. So th- there'll be a few of these. But Tim, who is the proprietor of the Gift of Games, has some ding and dent games that the distributors are basically like, yeah, just keep them. Don't worry about it. We'll refund you, but we're not going to you know, take the game back. And he asked if he if we would be interested in giving them away on our show. So I said, well, you mean you're going to give away free stuff on the show? And I don't have to worry about shipping it because you'll do it for me. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, done. So that's what we're doing. <laughs> I give away stuff uh, and you do all the work? Yes. Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. <laughs> so this first one we're going to do is Small World of Warcraft. And just to kind of um, make it, you know, because I'm doing it today and we gave nobody any notice whatsoever. Um, we're going to pick a random patron <laughs> today to get Small World of Warcraft. Uh, the only restriction is you do have to be in the U.S. because uh, having Tim ship something to Australia, sorry, sorry, Miles, might be more than he <laughs> bargained for. But <laughs> I think that we can manage that. So at the end of the show, I'm going to, I'm putting it, literally putting in the notes now. This is happening as we speak. Um, we are going to give away Small World of Warcraft. Give a way i was spelt away as in two words uh small world of warcraft all right you so the way as two words how i did a way it's a yeah. way <laughs> that's a, a way. way to give away google said is this really what you wanted to do and i said google no that is not really what i wanted you to should do. know me by now google yeah it's never what google. i meant i i love that searching for something on google is the best spell check in the universe like, if I can't get Word to spell, like, correct something for me, or my Mac, because it has spell check everywhere, and it's like, i spelling it so wrong, I type it into a Google search, and it comes up with the right word. Because apparently I'm not the only thermometer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> As opposed to thermometeorite. No, that's not what I did. Um, all right. So, yes. Uh, a, we are still on Zoom. We have John and Michael with us because we postponed today's recording one full day. Uh, Thanks to Kitty, who I blame, and (laughs) me, who decided to take advantage of Kitty's fault and say, okay, let's just postpone this at night. Um, So Kitty's allergic to, I don't know, something. Something. I don't know either. We'll find (laughs) out, I guess. Yeah. Are you going to go in and get where that allergy test where they like put all kinds of things under your skin and then you like a checkerboard of... Allergy infections? Pain. I, <laughs> <laughs> I might be a checkerboard of pain. I'm going to an allergist tomorrow, and we'll, we'll see what happens. So, yeah. All right. Well, you're alive today. No one has COVID still, as far as I know. Um, All I had to do was take a bunch of Benadryl, which really, yeah, maybe you wanted me to record last night, but we didn't. <laughs> yeah, you texted me, I don't know, maybe two and a half, three hours before we were supposed to record, saying, I can't record tonight. I just took a bunch of Benadryl, and I'm going to be unconscious. And then I felt like crap, too. And I I couldn't figure out why I felt like crap. I just, overall, just didn't feel great. It wasn't, it didn't, wasn't any COVID symptoms. It's just like, when the weather changes, you just feel crappy. And we went from 70 to 40 overnight. And it just, I'm like, okay, I'm exhausted, too. I actually went to bed probably nine o'clock, which is four hours earlier than normal. And wow. It's funny because I'm actually feeling a lot better because the weather has changed. All of my seasonal allergies go away as soon as everything starts to die. So my seasonal yeah. allergies are now under control. It is I now have some weird food allergy that, yay, growing into things as an adult. Apparently that happens. Yeah, when it gets cold, our house becomes really dry. So I just need to get humidifiers. I need to get all the humidifiers going and then I'll go yeah. better because I wake up just feeling like crap. 
Can't you mm-hmm. get one of those uh like uh, HVAC humidifiers? Um, you know something, I probably should just invest in that. If it would humidify the entire house the way I want it to be, I would be happy with that. Yeah, I've heard I mean, that you have a they big house. Don't, I don't work know. that great. That they're I okay. I have one, and it, yeah? I think it works great. But I mean, my house is nine hundred square feet, so <laughs> for that, it works. It works great. Like you can feel the air, like the warm air. Like obviously, it's like warm. But it doesn't feel like super dry. That it drying like, feeling, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I love it. Wow. Yeah, we I, have a humidifier that goes in our bedroom and the kids' bedroom. And you can like tell when you open the doors to those rooms like, oh, this is different. <laughs> yeah, it feels normal. Yeah. I'll, I Actually, I'll take a look at it because I wouldn't mind getting one for the house. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where I have one for my room and for Zachary's room. But he's at the age where anything with lights on it. And buttons he wants to take apart. <laughs> so, yeah. So if I put a humidifier within his reach, it only means that he's going to take everything apart and dump two and a half gallons of water on the floor. So Yeah, my nephew did that once. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really going <laughs> to... like. You can put them on counters and stuff, but then he sees the lights glowing at night and he just stares at it and gets upset that he just, can't play with it. I'm just like... Just, just put <sighs> some electrical tape over it. Yeah, I've done I, that too. When we put a towel over it, but then you have to like refill it every night too. It's just a pain. If I can hook this up to a water line, I, I'd be much happier with that. <laughs> Speaking of things that are pains, so I have two cats. I don't really ever talk about my cats because I'm not really a pet person, but somehow I ended up with two cats. And Kitty keeps wanting me to get a dog so to clean up, clean up after the kids. I'm like, no, because I have to clean up after the dog. But I have two cats, and I hate cleaning up. Did you work at Paws for like a, a long time as a pet counselor? Yeah, but that's yes. giving pets to other people. And you You're know. not a pet person, so I'd rather <laughs> give them away. <laughs> I think, what experience I, do you have raising a dog? Well, but, zero, really. <laughs> but I'm your counselor. <laughs> I had a lot of dogs growing up. My parents had a lot of dogs and cats. And I just, um, like, I've always had a cat. Because I'm like, when I was living alone, like after college, like, I felt like there should be some other thing in the house to make noises. Otherwise, <laughs> like nothing else is around and there was a weird noise. I can't blame it on anything. I'm probably going to die or it's haunted. I'm living alone. I need something else to despise me in this room. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is what but, getting a cat is like. Exactly. But my cat, so I just like, I'm not really good at doing the litter box thing. And finally, I said, you know something? I'm going to get, and I've tried every automated litter litter box on the market like i am gonna do a google to find the best litter box box out there (laughs) and i did a google and it spell checked litter box for me and it got it right (laughs) and then i found this thing called a litter finding zero results for litter box (laughs) (laughs) there's some hockey stuff that came up but i found this thing it looks like a cement truck so the cats go in the back of the cement truck <laughs> what? Wait, no, stop. <laughs> they go into the back this. of the, the, the cats go into the paint can shaker. You close the <laughs> lid, and then the problem goes away. <laughs> no issues. It's it's perfect. No more scooping litter. <laughs> no, but it's, it's called serious. a trash can. <laughs> you put the trash. I would say it looks more like a giant robot eye. Well, all right. So it's it's a litter box that's called the litter robot. It does really look like, it, especially in action, it looks like a cement truck. So they go in the back and they do their <laughs> business and they come out and then the whole thing rotates like 360 degrees. And in the process, that scoops the litter and drops everything underneath. And then it rotates back. And now Zachary is just fascinated by this litter box. So yeah, the Kitty's putting pictures up here. If you look at it from the front, it looks like an eye that's sideways. It looks like a cat's eye. Yeah. It basically looks like a cat's eye. From the side, though, the whole thing rotates, and it is like the cement truck thing. Um, It is ridiculously expensive. Like, crazy expensive. I already do not regret the the purchase, though, because I haven't... my My house has not smelled of litter since we got it. And I'm like, okay, that was worth it. Look, you can get an expensive piece of furniture to put it inside of, too. One of my cats did not want to use it at all he's like nope not gonna do that i don't know what it is so i had to do the whole thing with i actually elevated a litter box just outside of it for one night and then i took that litter box away and crossed my fingers and hoped that he went in there several accidents later he's now using it and we're all good but (laughs) um 
Chris, yeah. you you just need to go all the way and train your cats how to use the toilet. I was almost I almost that, did. I, I, I almost did taught his cat how to do it because I was sick of cleaning his litter box when we lived together. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. So anyway, tabletop litter talk is over. <laughs> <laughs> But these are important things in our lives right now. Um, and I'm not sure how long this topic is going to take to talk about. So I'm just buying some time at the beginning. <laughs> so um, there could be more also, litter talk coming your there way. There could be more litter talk. <laughs> Speaking of litter talk, though, we are we just started a D&D campaign two weeks ago. Our second session was last Friday. And we're going to do a short recap of the D&D campaign on each episode. But it is going to be post-credits. So it's going to be our post-credit conversation. So our post-credits will be a little longer than usual, you know, probably in that five to seven minute range. Um, but I just want to let everyone know up front that, hey, if you're interested in our D&D campaign, you can listen to <laughs> skip the, the rest of the, of the show. <laughs> yes, yeah, skip to just the skip end. straight to the end. <laughs> um, and if you're not interested in that, I don't want to take up too much time from talking about litter up front so that we can really, you know, talk about the things that matter. All right. Like bird watching. <laughs> like bird watching. So, Kitty, this is another one of your topics. Um, this is the first one where I'm a little more skeptical of it. So I'm just going to let you take it from here. You know, you say it's my topic. I threw something <laughs> out there like spaghetti at the wall and you were like, yeah, let's do it. And you wrote these show notes, and they're awful. <laughs> they're not great show notes. I wrote they're three not, games. They're not great show notes. Um, and I, I honestly didn't know if we had enough here for a topic either. So we're gonna test here. This we out. are. All right, but where where was this inspired? At least we can get that story. So this was inspired by a tweet from Elizabeth Hargrave, who is the designer of Wingspan, and she was talking about. She gets a lot of um, letters, tweets, emails from people who have been inspired to become bird watchers because they play wingspan. And they go, she gets a lot of thank yous from people. And she was looking at this from kind of a different standpoint of more how does playing other kinds of games affect us then? But I like to be positive about things. So we, we were trying to look at like what are games that inspire us. So first one is Wingspan. Yeah. And I now have one, two, three, four, only four different bird feeders. So, you know. <laughs> that you got <laughs> because of Wingspan? Uh, of I don't which, know if I got them because of Wingspan, but they, it definitely fueled my bird birding. Uh, speaking of which, I haven't let you know, but um, I got the new expansion for you. So when you come visit us next, you'll have an is expansion. This the, is this Ocean Birds? Ocean Birds, yes. Yeah. Which is a bigger I'm box excited. than the last one. Really? So, yeah, That's I haven't cool. opened it up yet. I don't know why it's so big, but it's it's definitely a bigger box. Um, oh, it's so much fun. But yeah, I love I it when you just buy me things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not getting you anything for Christmas because I figure I just get you everything throughout the year. Um, this is it. I do the same same thing for my mother. It's like, no, no, no. I just bought you a phone in June. That's your Christmas present. Sorry. <laughs> but Wingspan's a good example of this because I do think Wingspan is one of those things where because everything on the cars is real, it's mm-hmm. easy to be inspired by. Like, you could literally just take the cards, and they could be, like, a who's who of birds of North America, right? Which I think is the it first. It is basically a bird spotting book, but it's a deck of cards. So, right. it is extremely poorly organized and impossible to search, but it is <laughs> the same. My parents have a book. I think I have an app on my phone now, but, you know, it gives the same kind of information that you get on the Wingspan card. And it's really fun to read your cards. It's like a little activity I do while somebody else is taking their turn. It has lots of information on there that are facts about birds. And it's fun. I think they even have the little map of like where you can find these birds. So I always look to see if like this is a bird that lives in my area. What Should I keep an eye out for it? And when I find the birds that I do see in my backyard all the time, I'm like, oh! <gasps> I got a goldfinch or look, I have the red winged blackbird and those guys are jerks. They steal all the food. <laughs> they chase off the cool looking birds. Uh, they bully the cardinals. I do not watch birds because of wingspan. 
Although, I think if I played it as much as you did, I probably would start to recognize the birds. Because um, we had some pretty cool birds up here that I don't, you don't really see normally. I highly recommend getting a bird feeder. I love it. It's really silly. My mom actually started this all. I think she got one on a whim for my dad. And they went on a quest because they had a really big problem with squirrels attacking their bird feeder. So they started like fighting the squirrels with all these kind of ingenuity, like trappy kind of bird feeders. They And they just eventually gave up and, oh, well, the squirrels eat the bird seed. But um, like they spent a lot birds, of time. So. <laughs> you can also just feed squirrels. They've got squirrel feeders. They love peanuts, apparently. They love so. anything. We put some bird feed. Actually, we didn't. My in-laws had some bird feed um, in our garage, and the chipmunks and the squirrels found it. So for mm-hmm. a good few days, they were having a banquet in our garage <laughs> until Sydney caught them. And then I'd look, and I'm like, oh, yeah, look at all these shells I have to clean up. All right, that's fair. Yeah, but I do have so, a bird feeder. I just have a hummingbird feeder because hummingbirds are so very cool. And hummingbirds are amazing. Yeah, and I put out a hummingbird feeder right outside of our big window in the living room, and for all summer long, we had hummingbirds out there all the time. And that one of really my cool. four is a hummingbird feeder. I have a hummingbird feeder. I have a suet feeder, which I sort of regret, but I didn't actually buy it. The people who used to live in our house already had it out, but that one has attracted woodpeckers which also (laughs) sometimes attack my house so not my favorite um but we also get nut hatches and they're so cute they're super cute uh i have a traditional big bird feeder that gets the cardinals and other kind of birds like that and i have a thistle feeder which attracts the goldfinches house finches sparrows other teeny little birds that eat little seeds and it's fun, and I'll sit on my porch and just watch the birds, and it's funny because my mom was convinced that because I have a big dog that he would scare them all off, but the dog actually scares off the squirrels, and the birds do not care at all about him. So, yeah. No, because the dogs, the birds can fly away from the dog. Yeah, they don't care at all. Yeah. Yeah, John just posted a uh, bird feeder that keeps squirrels away, and that's the kind that we have. Um, I only have one. It's called the Eliminator. I have to see if this is because seriously, my parents have tried every kind. It looks it looks like a tube, and what happens is the squirrels will still climb on it, but when they do, the whole thing cuts down to cut off the seeds. So now the squirrels just hang out underneath it for the the bird scraps. My parents' squirrels have figured out how to hold. They've got it on a pole, and they just climb up the pole, and then they stand with their feet and get their heads in so they don't actually have to put any weight on where the birds stand. They are ingenious little (laughs) jerks and they can get in any, like I have seen them. They've tried the ones with the big plastic shield on the top, the ones that if you put weight on it, the door closes. They have tried. I love watching them solve problems. It is really fun to watch them solve problems. I think now my parents just have like, it's basically a metal cage because it takes longer for the squirrels to destroy it. Because the plasticky ones, the squirrels just eat the plastic off so they can get to the seed faster. So, yeah. So that's birds, all inspired <laughs> by Wingspan. All right. So, Fletcher, I'm going to ask you a question, and you have to use more than one word to answer it. Um, have you done any... So you like terraforming Mars. Have you done any kind of research outside of terraforming Mars? Or have you looked at the cards and been like, this can't be real. I'm going to Google that. Or anything like that. And remember, more than one word. So you can't just say no. (laughs) (laughs) So, comma, no. (laughs) Uh, No. When when this topic came up, I was like, okay, yeah, let me think. Like, have I done it? Have games inspired me to do any research about topics you know, outside of, of the game world? And the short answer is no, not really. There are <laughs> certain things that games have inspired me to do. Like when I first started playing Dungeons and Dragons, for example, um, there was a bunch of like weapons and armor types and like words that I wasn't familiar with, kind of like in that fantasy realm and just kind of like medieval like realm 
that I just didn't, I hadn't been exposed to before. So I was doing a lot of kind of like searching about like, you know, what is this thing? What is that thing? What is, what is half plate mail? What is full plate mail? What is, what is chain mail versus scale mail versus a halibut? Like, you know, what are all these things? And, you know, I've seen all these things before, but connecting them to the actual words that like describe them, I hadn't actually done. So that's like the one concrete example that I definitely have. And I definitely remember doing that was also the very first time I was exposed to the word charisma. Um, Because I was like 12 and it's like, what's your charisma stand? I was like, what the hell is charisma? (laughs) I don't even know. What is that? (laughs) Yep. D&D is a big one for this. So this was one of those things like back in the 70s, early 80s. um, There's an entire generation of kids that are like my age, which we're not kids anymore, that (laughs) our vocabularies were helped shaped by Dungeons and Dragons. Because these are words you would never encounter otherwise. Up until just a couple of years ago, I thought brazier was pronounced brazier, and I'm like, why are there bras all over the place? Because I flaming bras everywhere. I didn't know what a brazier was. I like, I would just read out the text, and I'm like, okay, whatever. I guess it makes sense. And then finally, it just occurred to me one day. I was like, oh right, that's basically just a big pit of fire. Okay, that makes a little bit more sense. (laughs) Yeah. Kids who grew up without Google have so much, like, uh, such a harder time with how is this pronounced and what does it mean? Because you didn't, you just guessed from context. So we always, uh, we talk about the clicky debris because cliche and debris are words (laughs) where when you are reading them for the first time, if you haven't come across them before, you might be able to figure out what they are from context clues. But trying to pronounce, you know, cliche, clicky makes much more sense. (laughs) Clitch, I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot going on there. (laughs) Genre. When you first read it, you're like, Janeer. Oh, one that got me was um, posthumously. Posthumously. Yeah, posthumously. Or preface. You're like, check the preface. (laughs) (laughs) Um. The annals of history. We <laughs> Luckily, podcasts can't get demonetized because we're not monetized. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Colonial colon L. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Have so many problem. fun things. I there are so many times now where I'm like, how do I say this? And I just have somebody say it for me on YouTube. I love that resource. It's amazing. Yeah. It has caused so much lack of embarrassment in my life that I can figure Poor it out. Now. Well, and the thing is, so D&D is a great example and probably the my example as well, which is why I'm I'm taking us back to this. D&D has inspired me to do more outside of game stuff than any other game. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't board games that have made this happen too, like um uh Mythic Battles Pantheon. I played this game two or three times. I really liked this game. It inspired me to figure out how to build foam inserts for games, which I'm going to count because like there's so many miniatures there. There's so many things going on. There's so many ways of sorting where I'm like, I want to learn how to do this. So give me my, my, you know, foam core board and a hot glue gun and some exacto knives. I'm going to figure out how to make a storage solution. By the time I got done with it, which was like a two, three week project, I was pretty good at doing that. Well, D&D, I've done that for so many different things, all kinds of craft projects that I would never do if it wasn't for the game. Um, I'm learning an entire software package now. And then on top of that, like other software packages and getting better at Photoshop and all of those things because of D&D. None of that's required to play the game, but all of it is something I really enjoy doing in relation to the game. The game has inspired me to do all of these things and just learn how to do things that I normally couldn't because, hey, it makes a cooler game if I do do this stuff. Um, or even painting miniatures. You know, whether that be for D&D games or for uh, board games, the reason I paint miniatures is solely inspired by games in general. No, Nothing really specific. Probably D&D, again. Um, now I can do it for other miniatures. But yeah, I think that's a great example. And I and still don't know what all the different armor types are. Of another game that inspired me to do some learning, which is Santorini. 
So Santorini has all of the Greek gods in there as powers, and they give you a little hint of what their story is. And I was curious about some of these because when I was in maybe like sixth grade, I think we did a unit on Greek history and um, Greek mythology was part of that. But there are a ton of gods here that I had never heard of. And I think because some of them are a little too R-rated for sixth grade. (laughs) (laughs) That's all Greek gods. They just, some of them you can filter easier than others. Yeah, Yeah, it's true. But I went through and I, you know, did some research on some of these gods that I hadn't heard of. And some of them was like, hey, I didn't think Medusa was a god. Do Gorgons count as gods? And doing some, you know, fun, real deep dive into what is a god versus what is just a character of Greek mythology? And do I want to be that pedantic? Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you have your gods, your demigods, your monsters. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. The, those are main ones, I think. And then you have your mortal heroes, which tend to... There's, there's not as many of them, but you can have them as well. I think Jason's Things usually end poorly that, for them. Yeah. 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 Achilles. Well, Achilles was... Yeah. Well, Hercules was half-god. He was... Um, no, his Achilles. father was Zeus. Oh, Achilles. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. And like that kind of thing is one of those things where if I was a kid and I came across this... And that was the first time I was exposed to it. I may not even know that these things are real life. Well, they existed outside of this game before the game was existing, right? Right. Yeah. But as soon as you might find that out and start relating those things, all of a sudden, this entire mythic world opens up to you. And again, that's one of those things where this game, you know, yeah, just a little innocent game. But... Now, look at this this whole re- world of stories that, you know, at one point was the religion and mm-hmm. how those stories play into our today's world and why these characters are still so, you know, used over and over and over again, mostly public domain, but still. <laughs> well, you can also scroll through here and be like, oh, that's why so many of these scientific things are named after the like there. It's just so much of our science was, you know, named with things from mostly Roman, but also Greek mythology. You know, look at space exploration is just full of Greek and Roman mythology names. Well, actually, I don't remember which game it was, or if it was a game or not. But one of the things that when I was younger, really interested me was because Greek and Roman mythology are basically the same thing. Um, Pretty much. They they just have like the same characters they will have different names it. in the different ones. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's essentially a reskin. And <laughs> it's really cool to kind of look at those in parallel and say, okay, which one of these are the same and which one of these are different and where they kind of change a little bit here and there. But yeah, I, like Greek and Roman mythology is just so cool. And I can definitely see this is like why I like Mythic Panels Pantheon, because it's all Greek mythology. Like it's all of the gods and the heroes and the monsters from that that pantheon. Um they're doing a Ragnarok Pantheon at the end of the year, they're doing a Kickstarter. So all the the Viking Norse mythology for that one. So I'm really looking forward to that too, because they do a really good job at like giving you a res- a representation of those characters and how they would play and how they would re- interact. So yeah, I hundred percent agree with so i saw you just typed something into our notes where i know you did a deep dive into some mythology of your own after you played (laughs) a game yeah so i have for some reason always known about cthulhu um, but never had any interest in it. I've never been a horror fan. I've never been into creepy tentacle monsters, any of that kind of stuff. It's all of it was like, no, 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 no. I don't like scary things. I don't like horror. I don't like gross. I just don't like those things. And so I started, whenever I would see a Cthulhu-based game, I would naturally just be like, no, not interested. Don't Don't want to have any part of it. Then the Arkham Horror card game came along. And I and started. Fantasy Flight told you you needed to care about it. Sort of, yeah. <laughs> but the thing that got me into this game was not the the story by any means. It was the way that the game worked. Building a character out of a deck of cards was really, really cool to me. So you get a character card, and it has deck building restrictions, and you build a deck 
based on those deck building restrictions, and then you can run it through an adventure. And early on, the adventure meant nothing to me. I just, I didn't care. I just wanted to build these characters and then play the characters. And then as I got into the storylines, they become, they became more and more compelling to me of like, huh, this isn't what I thought it would be. Like, yes, there's, you know, things jumping out and attacking you and you have to fend them off with a shotgun or, you know, whatever scary ritual you have to cast or whatever. But the story here is different than I expected. And that's when I started looking at other um, basically Lovecraftian horror stories to see if this is something I just missed all along the way. Now, I will say I've read a few Lovecraftian, Lovecraft actually written stories and had no interest in them whatsoever. They're just trash, <laughs> utter trash. Um, mostly because it's written in a, in a generation, well, not a, dec- a decade really, where writing does not interest me. I don't like classic literature. I don't like classic writing styles. I don't like Tolkien. I don't like those writing styles of just let's put a whole bunch of words on there so I can be smart. I pacing, pacing, pacing. However, the modern stuff based on Cthulhu, I really did enjoy. And honestly, it was a lot of the stuff that Fantasy Flight put out, which is not great literature, but they're fun stories. (laughs) And that really got me looking in a direction where I was, I'm more open to these kinds of games. You know, Cthulhu Death May Die is one of my favorite games. It's also based on the same lore, but it's, it's one of those situations where, you know, you're just, you're probably going to die. But the whole goal is to stop the cultist before you die. Like, that's the goal of the game. And that's fun once you get into the story and you're realizing it's not a D&D adventure. You're not the hero that's going to come out the other side walking away from the explosion going, ha, 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 I'm totally sane. Um, but yeah, that that game inspired me to look and open my mind to the genre. Yeah, the sanity is really interesting. And I think it becomes much more... Uh... We, the more you know about the mythology of Lovecraftian horror, the more the sanity points and the way that that's incorporated into all these games makes much more sense. That it is so tied into just the more you know, the less sane you become. And that is a finite resource in yeah. these games. It's very, very cool. Yep. It took me a while to appreciate the sanity stat. I'm like, I'm a hero. Yeah. Of course, I'm not going to go insane. And as a player, I'm not going to go insane because it's just a game like this. But imagining like, but if you were in this world with the background that you have, you're not the hero. You're you're reluctant to your best. Like my favorite and a great mix, Chris. I think you know if you can get past the fact that you have to read words. House of Leaves, (laughs) highly recommend. Is that the one with it all is, the notations in the book as well? Yes. It's like written by a bunch of... I should actually read the book. It's really it, good. And it's got Greek mythology tie-ins. And it, that part is very dry, I will give you. the. So it's... If you've never heard of House of Leaves, this is a totally kind of off-topic topic. So I'm just going to go on a weird <laughs> dive here. But everyone should read House of Leaves. There is a foreword and the footnotes are written. Sorry, I keep hitting my mic stand. I'm very talky with my hands today. So sorry about the audio, everyone. <laughs> so there's the footnotes and foreword are written by one character perspective. And then he is annotating a story which was written by um, this old man. And they talk about, you know, how they found this manuscript and how it's not finished. But you're reading like a kind of interesting character's take on a very kind of dry text, except that the dry text like slowly descends into madness. And the text is about a documentary film that doesn't exist about a house that's bigger on the inside than it is on the outside. And it's the beginning is just by a little bit, but it like, the house grows and it's very, very cool. And it like slowly creeps up on the sanity the same way that Lovecraftian horror, like, but, but it's a book that you have to read the physical version of. You have to read the physical version. You can't do it in audio or digital. You can't really do it even on Kindle or some kind of like PDF or anything. There's too much jumping around. There's footnotes. There's the, the visuals of the book are amazing. Highly recommend it. I should and what's that? It. What's that book? So that we get better at House of Leaves by of Leaves. Oh shoot by whoever wrote House of Leaves. Uh, <laughs> we'll put a link in the show notes. 
I've got to Google. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah. All right. You put a link in our show notes and I will copy it to our to these show notes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now, you put in a couple more games here. Um, it did. Parks. Parks is a great yes. one for this. Yes. I already enjoyed hiking before I enjoyed board games. But this definitely made me want to kind of take on parks in a gamer kind of a way. So my mom actually got this really cool poster that is a scratch off national parks poster. So you, it has all of the national parks on a poster. And as you visit them, you get to scratch the foil off and reveal the logo and it's gamified going to visit places, which we haven't done, you know, in 2020, but before that, and hopefully again later, <laughs> we will be able to go visit these places and um, go back to gamifying our travel. <laughs> I like that this is a game that inspires you to do things outside the game, like actively says, hey, you can go do these things. John tells us that Mark Z. Daniel Lewowski wrote House of Leaves. So mm-hmm. I will put... I'll put the link in the show notes. Um, but yeah, I think I have not yet played Parks. It's sitting on my shelf of games, which is getting very small, of games I haven't played but still <laughs> exist in my room, um, that I want to play. It, but it's it's gorgeous. Like, Parks is just a gorgeous game. It was actually, the game itself is based on art that was done for the national parks. Like, the art wasn't yeah. originally done for the game. It was the other way around. Look at all this amazing art. Let's make a game for it type of thing. Mm. Um, the other one you put on here is Morales. I think that's how you say it, right? Morals. Morales. Morales. The mushroom. Like the mushroom? Yeah. I like always pronounce it Morales. I say Morales because it, it feels like it feels like Morals <laughs> is something different. I should have made YouTube say it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the mushroom game. This game I actually like. There's an app for this game that is a very good app because the game is relatively simple. It's just a card game. Um, but it's a card game about cooking mushrooms mm-hmm. i thought and, it was about finding the mushrooms is it about um, cooking find, mushrooms i haven't played it in cooking. a while you can find you yes. find them and you can cook them um i think the cooking is like a special action you can take uh <laughs> this is i used to uh i i don't know maybe six seven years old um my dad and i we would go out and search for mushrooms like a specific kind of mushroom in that you would find under leaves next to trees and stuff and they were not like t- um your standard mushroom-shaped mushrooms. They were they look more brain-shaped. And I'm pretty sure that this type of mushroom is in here. But apparently, they were only something you could get very... Like, you had to find them. You couldn't just go to the grocery store and get them. But we would go out and hunt them and fry them up. And these are the only kind of mushrooms I like at all. Like, I hate mushrooms. Mushrooms are gross. Um, even though they don't have any taste. They are. They don't have any they taste. Do have they, taste. Take on, they take on the taste of the things around it and the texture is just like eating brain it's just wrong that's just so incorrect yeah we need a litter robot for mushrooms (laughs) have you played this game fletcher i have not played this game but you said that like they kind of look brain like the ones that you would find i'm like like morels because morels kind of have like this it may be exactly i may be talking about that (laughs) john says i am john says i am talking about (laughs) morel which is fine (laughs) This is one of those things where, like, I did not know, like, as a kid, we just called them mushrooms. And, <laughs> you know, as you grow up, you just have these memories of these weird-looking mushrooms. Because normally you think of the mushroom-shaped mushroom. I guess that's a shape, right? <laughs> it's a toadstool. Is that the shape of the mushroom? <laughs> I always thought, of, like, the mushrooms you could eat is, like, um, what are they actually called? I think Baby Bella is a, like... Cremini, I think. You mean like porcinis and and like those kind of mushrooms? I think creminis are the ones I think of. Portobello mushrooms, I like remember them becoming a thing. And then like there was like a fad in the 90s of grilling portobello mushrooms and using them instead of burgers. And I thought it was just like the most disgusting thing in the world. But my mom loved it. I love it. I think it's great. I love mushrooms. (laughs) All right. So we're going to get this game for Fletcher for Christmas. Uh, This is a game that Carmen would play with you for sure. It's one of those games that it's a two player. It's a two player gateway level um, game. Like 
it's the art is very approachable and all of the different mushrooms that you can think of they're they're basically um illustrated on these cards and you do cook them there's a few other mechanics to it but it's not a very complicated game and there are there's um sticks and cooking pans in this particular picture apparently (laughs) this is a deluxe version i'm looking at uh but yeah it's really cool and like i say i would grab the grab the app play it and i think the game's like 15 dollars. but yeah that's okay, morales cool. all right katie you wrote um patchwork on here as well mm-hmm. patchwork this this falls into uh, probably a category of games which are the games with unusual themes um, there's a few like this patchwork, you know, how often do you approach, you know, quilting in your board games? Um, what's the one <sighs> just redone by portal games, which is a game about being a fashion designer. The game is the name Port is of escaping Pret? me. Port of Pret. Yes. Yes. Um, say it again so that I don't have to. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Our whole discussion of pronunciation has like traumatized me. <laughs> Uh, Port-a-pret, I think. Pret-a-port, I think it's the other way around. Pret-a-port, it's ready to wear in French. Okay, so, (laughs) but these types of games are are things that, because they're unusual themes, they can spark interest. And that's, I think, what Wingspan did too, right? How many games about birds are there? Um, I can Mm -hmm. think of one right now, but those types of games... Pret-a-porté. Pret-a-porté, there we go. According Um, to Merriam-Webster... Yeah, <laughs> they make you think outside of the game. It's like, all right, this theme's interesting. The game's fun. And, huh, I wonder how much of this is true to whatever subject I'm looking at. Now, I'm not 100% sure patchwork is true to quilting in any way, shape, or form. But by the time you're done, it looks like a quilt. And the way that quilts come together, where each patch, there's not a, you're not necessarily quilting a pattern, although a lot of quilts these days are patterns. You know, quilts originally started out with telling stories, and each patch would well, be a story. It depends. There's a l- so my family is very into quilting. My mom's sister is um, actually a uh, she services and sells sewing machines for a quilting company, and has a long arm quilting machine, which is a sewing machine that takes up a um, two and a half car garage. Uh, worth of space. That's excessive. <laughs> it is, but she <laughs> it makes her very happy. So you know, whatever. And she that that is her business. So she is very into quilting. So this is a game that actually I like the theme, but I maybe know too much about the theme. But it's fun because somebody who is into quilting, I can get them to play this game a little bit easier. So. I'd, this is like one that I don't know if it really inspired me, but I know that it's like maybe a game that could speak to somebody else. Like maybe I knew too much about this, but it is absolutely nothing like actually making a quilt, but it is really fun. But it reminded me. So patchwork is one that it's a really fun game and it's not super like making a quilt, but Calico, which is the more recent quilting game I picked up does actually feel more like making a real quilt to me. And this one is you have different patterns and colors and you're but they're all the same shape. And so you're piecing these patterns and colors to make the most pleasing to your eye uh way of doing things. And that's a way that quilts are often more often made than just kind of tetrising squares together and somebody who has you know played patchwork you really don't want a quilt that ends with a hole in the middle which happens all the time in patchwork whereas with calico it's much more likely that you you kind of build your quilt more in a you know you're you're trying to make it a more cohesive and pretty quilt yeah i think that that you do have a risk of some of these games like if wingspan had come out and had all these birds but they were just kind of like the stats were made up. Like, we're just going to grab a bunch of pictures and put some stats on them and we'll make the exact same game. But we're not going to worry to make, you know, those those particular statistics accurate. We're going to use game balance over, you know, the accuracy of the birds. I don't think the game would be nearly as successful because it wouldn't be getting featured in all of these different non-game uh, areas 
Because it'd be like, eh, they just made up a bunch of stuff about birds that does, doesn't really fall into place. So when you're doing something like patchwork, you can kind of get away with it because, A, it had designer name behind it. Um, but I think that if you're if you're really looking at, like, I don't know, it just feels like Wingspan is only good. Be- not only good. Wingspan has mainstream appeal because of how accurate it is and how true to life the bird statistics are. Kitty is currently having issues with babies. I don't think anyone's going to listen or hear the baby, but Kitty's going to step away for a moment because she hears the baby. (laughs) I wonder if the Audubon Society has ever like featured. um, They have. They have. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And yep. And there's they've been. She's been featured in a lot of places that you typically wouldn't see something like that because it is so true to. To life. Um, <laughs> so I think that basically what's going to happen with something like Wingspan is even like all the expansions, each one of them is featuring like a different area of the world. So as you see these expansions come out, you could see like different areas being like, oh, look, this Wingspan game just got an expansion for our neck of the woods. And suddenly you get another interview for that section as well. So, yeah. Huh. All right. So I'm going to unmute Kitty now so that she can talk to us about Wingspan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the, the baby's getting a bottle. Uh, well, the, the listeners will hear us, me. So. <laughs> 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 My right, recorder was listening will. to me. <laughs> yeah. <you're right>. <laughs> <laughs> the baby's getting a bottle. Uh. It's all good. Um, yeah, we all Wingspan heard the baby is on great. Zoom, so <laughs> probably, probably won't hear it normally, but hey, this episode is just all about things that inspire us and babies inspire are inspiring. Yeah. Who's going to design a board game about babies that no one will want to play because it's extremely frustrating <laughs> and tiring. Like, it's like too real to life, too real to life. Can't do it. <laughs> I, I, huh? I, there's gotta be some out there. I'm sure there's know. something, and I'm sure it's not popular because parents are like too real or no, not fun. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, not 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 gonna do that. Yeah, some <laughs> subjects you just don't do. Um, well, and then it actually can take you to the other side of games, games that are uninspiring. Like you know, you play the game <laughs> of life, and you realize, like, wait a minute, I don't want to get married and have kids because wow, that's a lot of debt I am going into by the end of this game. This mortgage. Maybe sucks. I shouldn't have bought a cat. <laughs> Yeah, cat would have been fine. If I would have just not got in this car, everything would have been great. (laughs) Uh, Why does the spinner keep flying off the board? (laughs) Yeah, if life were only just a spinner these days. Oh, anyway. Um, yeah. So anyway, though that is our games that inspire. Obviously, we (laughs) there are a lot of games out there, and this is. One of those things that everyone has their own stories, their own thing. And maybe that that's what I'll do for our next giveaway. So I think, what are we giving away? Oh, there's a couple games he has. I don't know what they are yet. But I am interested in hearing stories about people who were inspired by games. So this is going to be how you enter our next giveaway. And I'll repeat all this next week because I'm literally doing this as we go. But if you <laughs> feel inspired and you want to write something up now, say this particular game inspired whatever. Or it can just be something inspirational. Like I was really feeling down and then this particular game like lifted my spirits and now it's, you know, got me out of a particular situation or whatever. Don't go, you don't have to go too deep. You can if you want to. Um, let us know if you don't want us to share something. But, um, that's a lot of information just to win a game, trust me. Um, but just, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about whether other games have triggered this response in people. So let's give away Small World of Warcraft. Um, so David Rank actually made up a thing for me the other <laughs> couple weeks ago. And I'm going to go to that um, if I can find it. It is a wheel that when you spin it, it picks a random person and then he put all of our patrons in it and it was super super cool and i'm just gonna do a quick search for that because um that'll be faster than oh here we go prize wheel and then i'm gonna click on this all right 
And I'm just going to click in this and spin it. The only people that are ineligible that I know of, and sadly, it's two of our friends of the show, is Miles, I'm really sorry, and Tim, because, you know, he's giving it away. <laughs> so I'm going to click to spin, and it's going to click this thing. All right, maybe I have to control enter to spin. Um, there we go. Nobody can it's, see what you're doing. <laughs> you, can't, you can't see what I'm doing. Um, you're just going to have to trust me on this one. Sean Peck. All right, Sean. You are our All winner. Right. Uh, shoot me an email and give me your address. I'm sure I have it on Patreon too, and I know Sean is listens to us. But shoot me an email. Just get, make sure your address is correct, and I will have Tim send you out Small World of Warcraft, which is basically just a retheme of Small World, uh, which I do own, and it's super cool. I like if you like Small World and you have a passing knowledge of you know the world of Warcraft, then Small World these two things go together pretty well. Uh, Sean, I'm going to type this in so I don't forget. All right. Also, David, thank you for the spinner. That was super cool. I just clicked on it. It's a big Wheel of Fortune spinner uh, that spins around and then it just lands on a name. It's really neat. So I think what we're going to do now is credits. A quick reminder. Well, after credits, we'll talk about D&D. But let's just do the credits now. And then it'll feel like this is a little shorter because we're ending. But we're going to talk a lot after this. So, Kitty, take it away. Tabletop Game Tag is a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. If you'd like to follow us on social media, the links for Facebook and Twitter are in our show notes. Want to watch us record live? You can find a link for that in our show notes, too. Comments or questions? Email us at feedback at tabletopgametalk.com. Hosting fees and giveaways are sponsored by our patrons. If you'd like to be one of these wonderful people, you can find out how by visiting our website, tabletopgametalk.com, and clicking the Support Us link. And there's a link in the show notes, too. Finally, a huge thank you to our current patrons. Adam Harrison, Miles Tim Tam Clark, The Gift of Games, Jason Strong, <laughs> Sean Lewis, Joe Hoover, Jeremy Fisher, Terrence Miltner, Sean Peck, Christopher Dong, Jennifer Engelbrecht, Brian Arnold, Michael Yanikowski, David Sellers, David Radke, Jason Marks, Anne Reynolds, Christopher Letgo, Stephen Judd, Leanne Verholst, Joe Rackstad, Sahara Wentworth, Weatherman Keith, Paul Raymer, Jimothy, Ben Gary, Matthew Droke, David Rank, Christopher Comstock, Jerry Wong, C. Marie, Justin Willard, Jason Rodney, Cindy Loom, Eric Hoffman, Adrian Dog, Faz Flintham, Eric Salander, Glenn Cotter, Sean P. Kelly, Mike Smith, Caleb O'Brien, Don Gilstrap, Aaron Moore, Ron Nelson, Agnes Toth, Charles Pearson, Jesse Wheeler, and Ronald Roy. And thank you to all of our current and former patrons and anyone who wants to join us in the future. Keep playing games and having fun. All right, D&D campaign time. Uh, <laughs> just just to recap so everyone's on the same page, there's a couple things I want to do here. I want to basically just kind of follow the campaign and get some feels from you guys on how you guys think the campaign is going as well. So our campaign consists of the three of us, Fletcher, Kitty, and me. I'm the DM. Um, Kitty's husband, Spencer, is also playing, and my wife, Sydney, is also playing. So Kitty will speak on behalf of Spencer, and I will speak on behalf of Sydney. Um if something needs to be spoken of. We are doing this <laughs> all online. And for the most part, we all have our own computers. We're playing on a virtual tabletop called Foundry, which I am finding awesome. Um, I'll get more into that like detail-wise later. But uh, we play, we're attempting to play every Friday night. And then that's where we have babies come into play because we have to like <laughs> make sure that the babies are at least pacified for the two or three hours that we try to play on Friday. Um, but yeah, so sometimes there's some screaming babies in the background, but the toddlers are usually sleeping by that time. So that's why we start like eight o'clock. Uh, mm -hmm. We did, we've done two sessions so far. Our first session was here are your characters. Let's learn the software. And our second session was, okay, now we're starting. Um, although the, the starting, the battle that we did in our learn session is canon. It did exist. It did happen. <laughs> but it was done with, okay, now you're fighting goblins, ready, go, with no real story to it. So, um, how is it going for you guys? Like, Fletcher, what do you think? How's how's the story so far? Not much of a story. It's like, here, go to this dungeon, yeah, clean out orcs. Like, but. <laughs> <laughs> the story so far is like, we're hired to kill... Wipe out these orcs, please. Um, Orc aside. I'm playing a rogue. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing the rogue. And so far, it's fun. I haven't 
it's been a long, long time since I've played a rogue. Usually I play like a tank or a healer, kind of. Um, so I'm really liking the rogue. He's very sneaky. He's doing an incredible amount of damage. <laughs> That's what they do. Which is, always, <laughs> which is always fun. And um, he's uh, proven to be pretty useful. Um, so I, I like playing. I like playing the rogue. Sydney's playing a bard, uh, but a turtle bard, so she can actually just really act as tank as well. Um, but a swashbuckling turtle bard, so she can go and stab people with a long sword, not get hit, and heal you if you get hurt. Um, that's that'll be my summary there. So, Kitty, uh, why don't you <laughs> summarize you and Spencer? I am playing a wizard. It is my first time playing a full caster. Um, in more than just a one-off. So it's been pretty fun, but a bit of a learning curve, knowing my spells and how everything works and trying to figure out how the online format works with that and creating area of effect shapes and fun online bits like that has been (laughs) interesting. Um, There's been a lot of flaming sphere nonsense. (laughs) Um, and Spencer's playing a paladin because he normally ends up playing kind of, um, like the leftover character. It's like he, he lets other people round out the party and he takes whatever's left. But this time he's like, no, I want to play the paladin. <laughs> so I think he was the first one to choose his class and he is loving it. So excellent. So character names, um, Sydney is her character is called Music. Uh, Fletcher, you are. I am Sylwester Lightning Fist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an elf rogue. Kitty. My name is Evie. I'm a gnome wizard. I'm trying to remember what Spencer's name is. I think he's... Um, Spencer is Lothar? Lothar? Lothar. Yeah, Lothar. Yes. Yeah. And he is a human paladin, I believe. Yes. Yeah. So, to start off the game, and the way that... We're going to eventually be playing through an adventure module called the Dungeon of the Mad Mage, which is a mega dungeon. Um, and I didn't want to just jump into that. So we are playing a, a shorter adventure that's going to come before that just to kind of give the characters a chance to be together, The you guys being able to work together. Um, I've got to go grab a baby. I'll be back. <laughs> All right. Um, and in that regard... We've done kind of a soft start where we don't know how these characters have met, but we know that they haven't been adventuring together for at least three levels because you all started at level three. (laughs) 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 So baby issues. Um, Basically, what happens when Kitty walks out of the room, we can still hear her mic. You guys can't. So when we hear a baby screaming in our ear, it throws us off. But in any case, um, Fletcher, what are you thinking of that like soft start? Like, do you know who your character is, even though I don't, and the rest of the group doesn't? I mean, yeah, kind of, because uh, you go through like the D and D Beyond mo- module, and you don't have to, but I did. You can you can pick like you know the strengths and weaknesses and like background and stuff like that. So I try to pick stuff that would like round out my character. So he has a s- smuggling background. Um, he's like interested in like money and friendship kind of like money and friendship are as like two motivators essentially but money is also kind of like his downfall because he, sometimes he'll like he'll lie just to like you know for, for coin essentially yeah. um and with this with the smuggler background and he's he's a, like a swashbuckling rogue kind of like go hand in hand so uh, you kind of get the flavor that he is doing this because he is uh he's like charismatic um so I kind of modeled with him a little bit after like Han Solo, I guess. He's like a a, a charismatic smuggler, rogue, roguish person. So mm-hmm. um but overall like I I kind of like this and I I mean in the beginning it's hard to like throw people together that have all created disparate characters um to fill like certain niche roles and then be like, "Okay, come up with a backstory." It's easier to say like, "You have a kind of a backstory." And now you're going to, like, create, like, a backstory through through play. Like, you know each other. Um, and we're going to figure out why as the game goes on. Yeah. Like, you, you get to decide why. 
Yeah. And I think that's important. Like there's only four players and I wanted to have a small group because I think it's it's just easier to coordinate schedules and things like that. Um and building that story as you play, it becomes more orga- more organic and real versus just saying a bunch of things that didn't you didn't have it really lived through where we can actually take care of a lot of how you met in flashbacks and those types of things where once they're set at the table, they're real. Um Kitty, do you have a background? <laughs> yes, I'm very sorry about all the baby crying. Hopefully, Chris can edit some of this out. I'm not editing uh, anything because it's going live right after this. <laughs> this is why it's all post credits. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, baby noises. Um, so my background is I am um a hermit was the background I chose mechanically, and um, <laughs> I, and my baby all right. Well, let's do this. <laughs> Player four has said, Mom, we're done. Yeah, (laughs) I'm out. We'll cover this next week. (laughs) But these are the challenges of running a D&D game with adulting life. So anyway, we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for making it all the way to the end with us. And John and Michael, thanks for sticking with us, even though we changed the days on you. Um, All right. We're out. Bye. Bye. (laughs)